I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. It's not just that Carson Wentz has been the best quarterback in the NFL. It's that, frankly, at least to me, that all three of the second-year guys have now eclipsed so far the guys who were in year three that we thought might be ready to take the next step and contend for division titles. Jameis Winston is 2-4. and four. I know statistically he has put up some decent yardage totals, but his team is 2-4, and four, and this is a bottom-line business. And right now in the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in last place, and we'll see whether or not they can get back into the mix and make a run to, uh, to potentially contend for this division title. But I think it's fair to say that given all of the additions that Jameis Winston had on the offensive side of the ball, expectations were that he was going to take a big step in a positive direction in terms of contending for a uh, division title. Meanwhile, Marcus Mariota has not been healthy. And look, I know that Jameis Winston also has the sprained AC joint in his throwing shoulder, so he hasn't been 100% healthy either. But Marcus Mariota's uh, hamstring is all messed up, and we just saw one of the worst football games to ever be played in the history of the NFL between the Browns and the Titans. Now, the Titans won 12-9 in overtime, but Mariota has not been very good so far. Now, to be fair to Mariota, this offensive play calling has been atrocious. His wide receivers have not necessarily been healthy, and he's only played six games because he missed one with an injury, and he's 4-2 and two in the six games that he started. I feel like if he had stayed healthy, probably the Titans would have gone on the road and beaten the Dolphins, so that potentially could be 5-2, and two. so the results are good. 
even if the overall performance has not necessarily made you think, oh my God, Marcus Mariota is incredible. So we'll see. The Titans are on bye week here. Can Mariota get healthy? Can the Titans contend for the AFC South? They're at least tied for first place there. I use that as an example because year three, a lot of times guys are officially where they're going to end up in terms of their overall talent. And I think it's fair to say right now, if you were drafting young quarterbacks in the league, if you were drafting young quarterbacks in the league, the six best young quarterbacks, am I correct in this? The six best young quarterbacks in the NFL right now are the three guys in year two who I think uh, everybody would acknowledge, Dak, uh, Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz. Then I think Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, just based on what they've done in the first two years in conjunction with this, and then Derek Carr. And Derek Carr is obviously, I believe I'm correct, in his fourth year. Am I correct in that, Danny G, that Derek Carr is now in his fourth year as the Raiders quarterback? And obviously, the Raiders have not been that great, and Derek Carr hasn't been that great either. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I've got the Eagles number one overall. Got the Eagles. There's the music. There's the music that we love so much. The old school NFL jingle in the background there. I have got the Eagles at number one. I have got the Patriots at number two. Why do I have the Patriots at number two? Because I have the most confidence in the Patriots of any team out there based on their quarterback situation. There are five teams that are five and two. The Eagles are the lone six and one team in the NFL at the end of seven weeks. And then there are five teams fighting at that 5-2 and two mark. I've got the Patriots as the best of those 5-2 and two teams. I've got the Steelers as the third best team in the NFL. I'm willing to overlook two bad losses to the Bears. And I think it's fair to say the Jags at home is a bad loss. In the four spot, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they would be the number one overall team because, remember, they beat the Eagles head-to-head. They're the only loss so far for the Eagles on the season. I've got the Chiefs at four. If they had been able to hold on against the Oakland Raiders, I would have put them all the way at number one because you'd have to put them above the Eagles given the head-to-head. In the five spot, you have to decide between Rams and Vikings, I think. I've got the Rams at the fifth best team. And in sixth spot, I'll go ahead and tell you, I've got the Vikings at the sixth spot there. Uh, Jason Martin, any disagreements from you on the top five? No. Uh, well, in different order. I've got Philadelphia at one, certainly. The idea that four of their first six wins came on the road and that they don't actually go back to the road until they play Dallas the week before Thanksgiving, that is quite a schedule and quite a start for them. They're definitely at one. I've got Pittsburgh at two right now. Just a little bit more impressed with them overall as a football team. Kansas City still at three couple of tough losses but I still like what they're doing Alex Smith has yet to throw an interception this season which is still uh, hugely impressive New England at four starting to round into form had him at five last week I moved him up a slot this week and I've got the Rams at five over the Vikings as well as LA is the highest scoring offense in the league with 212 points on the board to just 146 for a quarterback kind of you don't know exactly what's happening in Minnesota so I will go with the Rams at five as well Bottom five, I have got the Jets, the list of sadness. I've got the Jets at 28, and I think there's a little bit of uncertainty about which team should be there. I've got them there instead of the Bucks, even though the Bucks are only two and four and technically have one of the five worst records. I have a little bit more faith, I think, over time in Jameis Winston. 
Got the Jets at 28. The Colts, these bottom four, I think just about everybody would agree with. I've got the Colts at 29. I've got the Giants at 30. I've got the 49ers at 31. And I have got the Browns at 32. I don't think there's much disagreement there when you break down all of those teams and kind of contextualize everybody there. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Dak Prescott was the biggest surprise in the NFL last year. Now, Carson Wentz was good, and the Eagles started hot. Remember, Winsylvania, I think it was even Joe Biden talking about that. There were a lot of people out there rooting for the Eagles early, but then they faded, as often happens in the NFL when you have a young quarterback. And Carson Wentz was good, but he was not great. This year, he's not only good, he may be the MVP if the season ended at the halfway mark. Now, you can ask the Green Bay Packers, injuring a quarterback can change everything overnight, but there is only one 6-1 and one team in the NFL right now, and that team is the Philadelphia Eagles, and they are the unquestioned best team in the league. And to me, the most intriguing thing about the Eagles' performance is, again, how good Carson Wentz is, because what that reflects is, yes, the Eagles are good this year, but as young as Carson Wentz is, if they can keep him healthy and he continues to evolve, two very important things with any quarterback, the Eagles are probably going to be good for the next decade. That's one of the exciting things about finding a young quarterback and having faith in him is it's not just that you're good for one year. It's that assuming you can keep him healthy, he's going to be good basically as far into the future as you can see. A decade is a long time in the NFL. Carson Wentz will only be, what, 32, 33 years old? I mean, a decade might even be unkind. He might be good for a lot longer than that. And then you also have to consider, we'll do top five, bottom five here in a minute, but Jared Goff this year has also got his Rams, I believe, so far as one of the five best teams in the NFL. And so, to me, what is intriguing about considering Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, and Dak Prescott is, all last year, we said, man, Dak Prescott should have been the overall number one pick in this draft. I think now, if you were redrafting in 2016, the top three picks would all be quarterbacks, and we would go Carson Wentz, we would go Jared Goff, and we would go Dak Prescott in that order. That's not a slight on Dak. Obviously, the Cowboys got a steal by getting him in the fourth round, But I think what has happened is all three of those guys have proven themselves to be legitimate starters in the NFL, but Wentz is now the best of them. And what has happened with year two of Jared Goff under Sean McVay, decent argument that Jared Goff is now the second best, and the fact that he looked like a bust in year one was unkind. He may well win his division in year two. I think, intriguingly, Carson Wentz best quarterback in the NFL this season on the best team and that frequently means you're going to be the MVP. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. I do think that the the Browns decision making because of how good Carson Wentz looked last night illuminates how dumb it is. There are people out there who are like, "Oh, you got to build around your quarterback." All that matters in the NFL is your quarterback. If Carson Wentz were at the Browns right now, they would contend for a playoff spot. I don't think there's any doubt this year, even as bad as the Browns organization is. And the Browns have consistently passed on drafting top quarterbacks, 
in order to just stack as many draft picks as they possibly can. And what you recognize is the Browns can be good everywhere else and still not any good at all because their quarterback stinks. And they're going back and forth from Deshaun Kaiser to Cody Kessler to Kevin Hogan. They don't know who they're going to play in Cleveland. And it got me thinking as I was contemplating last night watching Carson Wentz, and obviously I'm sorry, Browns fans, your decision to pass on Carson Wentz. It got me thinking kind of in intriguing fashion. What's the NFL team right now that's the best with the worst quarterback? Best team with worst quarterback. Like, what's the ceiling if you truly have an awful quarterback? And right now, like, I'm looking around at the standings. The, the, the fact that bad teams have bad quarterbacks is not a surprise. Not a surprise that Browns are the worst team in the NFL, and they have absolutely nobody at quarterback. Not a surprise that the Colts have fallen off the reservation, even though Jacoby Brissett is decent, because they don't have Andrew Luck. And so when I look through and I'm like, okay, who's the best team with a bad quarterback in the NFL? Best team with a bad quarterback. I don't know. Are we sold on Case Keenum as being bad? Are we sold on Sam Bradford? I think you can make a strong argument it's the Vikings because the Vikings are 5-2 and two right now. The reason why I have them ranked 6th overall is because of my uncertainty about their quarterback position. I would argue, though, the best team with a bad quarterback is probably Jacksonville. Because I think Jacksonville's talent, they got 10 sacks for the second time this year. You look at their talent everywhere else, Leonard Fournette, the wide receiver position, certainly on the defensive side of the ball. I think that Jacksonville is probably the best team in the NFL with a bad quarterback. Anybody disagree with that, that if you had to just pick the best team in the NFL with a bad quarterback? Because I don't think there's anybody out there who's like, oh, you know who I really believe in? Blake Bortles. You know who I want the ball with two minutes to go, needing a touchdown, driving the length of the field? Blake Bortles, who has more fake stats than anybody out there. So I want to bring in the crew, Jason Martin, Danny G, and Robert. Can you think of a better team with a worse quarterback in the NFL right now than Jacksonville? And the reason why I use them as an example is they're tied right now at the top of the AFC South. I have zero faith in their staying power because almost never – does a team manage to win a division even though their quarterback is complete crap? Now, you can have it it happen sometimes when you've got an injury situation, but it's very rare that it happens for the entirety of the season because sooner or later, your quarterback costs you. And that's why I'm not necessarily sold on the Vikings right now because I'm just not convinced that Case Keenum is going to be the guy. But can you guys think of a team right now that's the best team with a bad quarterback? I think Jacksonville's the best option. Well, I don't want to upset Jason, but I think Denver Broncos uh, are the answer. It's a good option. Good option, too. I don't disagree entirely either. Like, I mean, he started out well, but he's been disastrous over the last few weeks, the last few games, certainly. And I wasn't impressed with him last season at all. I was going to say Minnesota. But I think that's easier. I think Jacksonville is probably the answer because of just how bad Blake Bortles is. We've killed him on this show. I don't know how many other times. There are other teams. Miami certainly doesn't have a good quarterback situation, and they're four and two. I like Tyrod Taylor more than some people, but he's a four and two. His team's four and two, and that's because of the defense in that situation as well. But I do think Jacksonville is probably the easiest and probably the most obvious answer. Best team, worst quarterback. And to me, 
that means that the ceiling for those teams, and for all of them, really, the Vikings, I think you can make an argument for. I think you can make an argument for the Broncos. I think certainly, I think the best argument is for the Jags. But you run through all those teams. Does anybody have any faith that things are going to get better for those teams? Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It's going to be exciting to see what happens uh, in the World Series there. Um, and uh, and again, for the city of Houston, as, as much attention as L.A. is going to get for being in their first World Series since 1988, the storyline for the city of Houston is even better. I mean, I think the casual sports fan out there will probably end up rooting for the Astros over the Dodgers because of the connection between the city of Houston and the flood and the hurricane and the reaction and the the damage that was done in the city of Houston and because the Astros have never won a World Series before. And frankly, just because they switched to the AL, what, three or four years ago, a lot of people are not even used to the fact that the Astros are now an American League team. So they went as a National League team uh, a decade ago or whatever the heck it was and now they are back as a uh, as a uh, team from the American League, and a lot of people are going to be surprised that they even exist there. And so there is uh, there's a lot to uh, to kind of chase down in that respect about everything that uh, that surrounds this uh, this World Series. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. I'm actually pretty kind of psyched to see what L.A. is like because I'm told the Dodger blue is everywhere and that the city is in love uh, as the Dodgers go into the World Series for the first time since 1988. I believe game one of the 1988 series was the Kirk Gibson home run, and uh, that was, a, I believe, a sweep, an upset sweep over the Oakland A's, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, the, uh, the Bay City Bombers or Bashers or whatever they called them back in the day uh, was, uh, was a big upset. And uh, to me, you know, I kind of look at, I believe I'm correct in this, the A's back in the day were in the World Series in 88, 89, and 90. And the only one they won with that kind of dynasty, the Dennis Eckersley and, uh, and crew that they had there. Um, Dave Stewart, I believe, was their, their starting ace back in the day. I was a huge fan of baseball. But 88, 89, and 90. Uh, the only one they won, I believe, was 89, and then they lost in 90 to the Reds, and I know that because I was a huge Cincinnati Reds fan growing up. But I'm actually pretty intrigued to watch this series, uh, even though I'm now what I would not what I would call a traditional hardcore baseball fan. I'm kind of intrigued to see today, uh, in particular tonight, in particular, what Clayton Kershaw is able to do in his first ever World Series start. The Dodgers are a big favorite. Jason Martin, are you? with me here uh, a bit intrigued to see what's going to happen in this series yeah I'm actually really excited about it honestly you know I thought for sure I was going to be able to pull for Danny and I really do hope Danny's got you know I, I would love to see Danny happy quite frankly but I've really enjoyed watching Houston play if New York had won this would have been really easy for me but I think I'm going to quietly I'm probably going to end up pulling for the Astros even though I believe LA is going to win I just think they hit more consistently than we've seen from Houston uh, in the playoffs, I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere. It's too, you know, Houston's not a, the biggest market. It's not New York, but it's also not Green Bay or something like that. So I think this is two teams that have a lot of young talent. You know, Justin Turner, obviously the the pitching on both sides. You have some veterans there, some names, and you've got Altuve in Houston. That's a lot of fun to watch. I, I'm really excited about it, honestly. I know Fox does a great job. I'm looking forward to hearing Buck and Smoltz and those guys. It's going to be fun. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.